1: Like you've never heard it
0: before, The Laws of Life, with Gary Hertzberg on cliffcentral.com.
2: I'm Gary Hertzberg and this is The Laws of Life on cliffcentral.com. Alongside me today, Lionel Makokotlela. What's
0: wrong with me today? Lionel Makokotlela, welcome Lions. Thank you very much Gary and good afternoon to our podcasters and today it is indeed another day. Where we're going to be talking about the law in the swaggy way
2: Your line today's topic is criminal law and procedure Which is something that people always want to know about
0: Certainly, because a lot of people actually get to be arrested unlawfully And yeah, hopefully today we'll unpack uh, some of those questions
2: Also the ones that get arrested lawfully want to know about this So <laughs> today we're going to be answering a few of the burning questions That have been posted by members of Legal Talk South Africa
0: Oh yes, And I'm partner. sure,
2: yeah, that's by now, I think all our listeners know that we've teamed up with Legal Talk South Africa, and between them and with their Facebook page membership of about 120,000 members right now, Jeez. and us here at Cliff Central with our millions of podcasters, wow. we're becoming extremely powerful in dealing with your legal issues.
0: A powerful partnership. It indeed. really is. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Our email address if you want to write into to us law law at com. the Facebook page the laws of life with Gary Hertzberg lines the Twitter handle
0: it's at Hertzlaw H E R T Z L A W and you're more than welcome to really give us any comments anything that you would like us to talk about. Each uh, week uh, we deal with something new
2: The last few weeks we were dealing with One was Family Law, one was Consumer Protection Act Evictions and so on If you're interested in any of those You can go back and listen on podcast Today we have a specialist attorney Often they say he's a criminal attorney Which is the wrong way of saying it He's an attorney that specializes in criminal work He's not a criminal attorney. His name is Attorney Peter de Weert and he's of Ian Levitt Attorneys in Santa. Welcome to you, Peter.
1: Thank you very much, Gary.
2: Peter's a Cape Town boy. Your first criminal case, uh, Peter, where was it and that what happened? Was, that was in the
1: Strand. Um, I had a Met for housebreaking And the chap got convicted unfortunately I must admit I lost my first trial I
2: don't know why I invited you to Yes, yes
1: I've been doing better since
2: What happened? uh, How come he was convicted? Why did he come to you?
1: Um, What happened was he was caught with the key of the house He'd just broken in Just outside the house The security gate keys He'd gotten in through a window apparently And And there he had the security keys Yes
2: So um, what did he get? Do you remember what sentence he got? (sighs) Ah
1: Too long ago. Uh, sorry, that's like more than 10 years ago. Give sorry. us your second case
2: that you ever did. My,
1: my second case, I did one. That was possession of of, possession of housebreaking equipment. And in this case, it was, you know, when they take the spark plug and you have the, um, what do you call it, that porcelain on the spark plug. And what the guys do is they chop that off the spark plug and then they um, put it in their mouth and the spittle reacts with it. Oh, really? If you then throw right. it at a car window, yes. the car window becomes... Like mush You can literally just push I've it in. I've heard about it. this yes. And is this in
2: fact what happens? Is this yes, yes
1: yeah. So the, the, the chap was caught with a matchbox full of this But uh. um, he actually gave me the version Because the policeman It was in a parking lot The policeman arrested him just around a corner With this matchbox in his hand yeah. Saying look he was probably throwing it away Or whatever in his possession of this My client comes and he gives me a version And remember the test is always reasonably possibly true He says I'm walking there I have a nipped cigarette behind my ear, right? Um, the policeman uh, could agree with that. Yes, he had a nipped cigarette behind his ear. So he's going away from the parking lot. He's going to go and light a cigarette now. He says, I don't have matches, and wouldn't you know it? Sorry, around the corner, there's a matchbox line. <laughs> I pick it up, and as I feel, this is a bit heavy. The policeman taps me on the shoulder. Mm. Now, in law, that's an acquittal because given the facts of the state, his version is reasonably possibly true.
2: Yeah. Hmm. So you got him off. The test in a criminal case is if it's reasonably possibly true, then the accused is entitled to walk free.
1: Yes. Arvis is different. 1954. It's the locus classicus in that regard. Yes.
2: Yeah. In a criminal case, it's on. in a civil case, it's on a balance of probabilities, balance which of probabilities. case is more probable, but not in a criminal case. That's why so many people that the public regard as really guilty get away with kind of murder, because if it's reasonably possibly true, then he must walk. Interesting, isn't it?
1: Yes, yes, in the state. But before you even get to his version, which needs to be reasonably possibly true, the state has to make a prima facie case, Yes, which should, prima facie just is Latin for on the face of it. Yes. Without... Uh, the defence giving a version, they must make a state which is beyond reasonable doubt proves those elements before that person needs to even be placed on his defence. That's why we have section 174 of our Criminal Procedure Act, which states that a defence attorney may make an application at the close of a state case that the matter be dismissed, and that has the same effect and finality as an acquittal. And yeah. there, your magistrate looks at it and says, "I don't see proof of the elements of this crime." You're free to go
2: That Mm. happens uh, very often Peter You don't have to put your client in the witness box The state hasn't made out what we call a prima facie case That's correct And uh, he's entitled to walk without even giving evidence That's correct In terms of section 174 174 of the criminal
1: procedure It has to be read along with uh, section 35 of the constitution rights Which repeatedly guarantees your right to remain silent
2: I remember many years ago when I was very young I did a case I think I was in my articles I I did a motor accident And the state had, uh, you know, as an attorney, you'll know, you're never really sure how the magistrate sees it. Sometimes you believe that the state hasn't made out a case, whereas the magistrate may believe he has. So I, the state gave their evidence and I had to decide whether to put my client in the witness box or not. And I decided just to be safe, put him in the box. And I said, the magistrate said, yeah, and I said, I'm going to put my client in the box. And he shook his head and he threw his pen on the table as if to say, you idiot, I was going to acquit you. Anyway, we were acquitted in the end, but Good. my client gave evidence. Have you found that sometimes you've got to weigh that up? It's, it's a tough one, isn't it? Whether to put your client in the box or not.
1: Well, I mean, these are the technical decisions you make during trial.
2: You've got to make it on the spur of the moment. I mean, or, or you can ask the court to adjourn. You want to consider your rights, but very often... After the state says, I've closed my, I closed my case, uh, the magistrate looks at you and says, no. And then you've got to make that call.
1: That's correct. One of the, things that you, one of the skills that you must have as a trial attorney is the ability to make spot decisions.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Peter, let's take some of the questions. We've taken off, extracted off Legal Talk South Africa. Okay. There are 120,000 people right constantly. The questions just keep, keep flowing. Mm-hmm. Um, Desiree. I'm going to summarize what she said. She says, I need some advice, please. You've come to the right place, dear." She says an ex-girlfriend laid a charge of assault against her ex. I don't know why she's involved, but she may be the ex. But anyway, <laughs> he claimed an alibi saying he was nowhere near her. Mm-hmm. He was at a party quite a distance from her. Mm-hmm. And he was arrested at his parents' home. He spent the night in jail. He went to court, uh, she says, with every hearing, at every hearing, which was postponed every time as She never showed up Which is very often the case There was never a hearing She says He now has this on his criminal record And that's where I'm stuck with her Because I don't know what he's got in his criminal record She goes on to say She's been told that he needs to remove it The question, My first question to you is If you haven't been convicted But you're merely arrested Is there any criminal record against you?
1: No Uh, The SAP 69 Which is the criminal system The criminal record system Is only completed upon conviction So very shortly after your conviction, still in court... The uh, court orderlies will bring you an SAP 69 form Where they then take your fingerprints and certain details And what the conviction was Mm -hmm. It then goes into the SAP 69 system Which is now based uh, on an FBI system also called AFIS Which Mm -hmm. is just a fancy electronic name for electronic fingerprint Mm -hmm. recognition So because people can easily give false names or false birth dates etc It runs on a fingerprint system But that's strictly speaking if you have been convicted
2: Okay so if you've been arrested there's nothing
1: against your name what happens, though, however, is is the police themselves have an a administration system, right? Yeah. Um, on their computers, the 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 one which is most well known, I'm sure, to our clients because, or to the listeners here, is because they've obviously laid charges before in their life. You get something which is called a case number, right? And that's yeah. just a docket number. Yeah. Case stands for Criminal Administration System of Mus, uh, Mr. Mrasi Stelsel, in Afrikaans, and that gets written on there. But there's another thing on those computers which is called your criminal. Profile okay, yeah, but that's for internal police consumption and that will show every single arrest. Oh, that, really? will sh- that will uh, show yeah. matters where you've been a suspect, it will even show, um, you know, you own know, associates, that sort of thing. But Peter, that, this
2: is so interesting. I didn't know that when do the police see this when you assuming that you're arrested at a stopped at a roadblock? Yes, do they have it on there? No. They have it immediately. No, no
1: they don't. They don't have Does it take
2: time for them to get it? When do they get to see that you've been? A suspect in
1: many cases. Okay. What happens is, is obviously you get arrested. It's not with them in the van. If you go to the police station, it's available there. There's central computers that can draw that for you. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, as I'm sure people have been arrested for, for minor things or drunk driving, which I, by the way, just for the record, don't regard as minor. But anyway, yeah. um, now you have to do police bail. You'll find that generally the police... Are not exactly running their legs off To get you charged Draw your profile etc It's a slow process You wait Mm -hmm. a bit of hours But yes it gets done done there
0: Okay so Lange you wanted to say something Oh yes Uh, If then I have been arrested And now I just want to proceed with my life And I want to make sure that I remove my criminal records Can I remove my criminal records first and foremost And if so how do I go about that Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, so if you've been arrested, that like I've said, that cannot be removed. That is for purposes of the um, police's internal thing. Now, that's not supposed to be for public consumption, but I have had a a, a situation without going into clients' names or details, even a station where a person was applying for a teaching position and the criminal check was done. And I believe that a policeman, probably from a bit of overzealousness because he knew that this person would now be working with children, had an open docket still for assault. So... That for example couldn't be removed But in the facts of the case Firstly it was quite old mm-hmm. Secondly um, the, the parties had agreed There was counter charges And the parties had agreed mutually to withdraw But because of it having been an arrest It was still on that system Yeah. And the um, school that this person was going to go to had a, had a big problem with that Until I then procured a letter From the detective st- station commander At that station Saying look it's still on our system but it's, there's nothing going on here. It's a dead file.
2: Okay, so someone's been convicted, and they have a record now. Yes. It's on their record. Yes, yes. And that stays with them for how long? And the, everyone wants to know, how do you get it removed, if at all?
3: Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. A criminal record effectively, in principle, stays with you for life. There's this misconception that it magically disappears after 10 years. That's not the case. Mm-hmm. There's two ways that you get rid of it. Um, the one is is you can pretty much go through your local police station and you then apply to the office of the president. And it's an administrative process. It also obviously goes through the Department of Justice at any
2: time or after ten years.
1: After ten years, you've got to and wait ten years. Yes. So but for ten years, it's there. For ten years, you're stuck with it. Now, yeah. one of the things that you've got to look that you've got to look at there is, uh, you know, in practice that people will say, oh, you know, 10, 10 years or. Or you know twenty thousand fine etc etc. Generally, if you've had a custodial sentence, they're not going to expunge it, right? It's yeah. where you've been custodial
2: senti- means if you've been Sat in prison.
1: Yes, yeah. you've been yeah. given a, yes, you've been given a prison sentence. Yeah. If it's been a suspended sentence or a fine or something like that, and you've carried on with your life and you've now behaved. For 10 years and there's been no convictions, then that can be removed. There's another situation which unfortunately also rears its ugly head from time to time. And this deals with the situations where admissions of guilt are paid. Yeah. Often these are paid right there in a police station. Now th- hold
2: on. This is very concerning. What happens on a speeding ticket?
1: If Spe- you pay that a speeding fine, speeding, tic- fight? speeding yeah. ticket, remember once yeah. again, for a 69 to show up, yeah. a criminal record on your name, fingerprints yeah. need to be taken. Yeah. So they need you physically there. They then need to do, and remember, it's a separate form from what they do when they just arrest you. When they just arrest you, they've got that green form and they take your fingerprints. That in itself is not the SAP 69. The SAP 69 must also have your fingerprints. Okay. So what you'll find is, so a guy gets arrested for shoplifting, right? His uncle comes in, they say, "Ah, man, pay a 300 rand AG fine. Yes, admission of guilt fine, yeah. Yes, admission of guilt fine. You've paid it. Now one of two things happen. Either the police don't bother to do an... Uh, A 69 Which often happens And now you don't have A record drifting out there Somewhere Or they do take it Now Two, three years Four years down the line um, You find to your shock That you are A person with a criminal record Yeah You thought you sorted this out Now In a situation like that Where it was not Clearly explained to you That you would have A criminal record You can then go to, um, to the high court. You can approach the high court then and you can then bring an application to have it expunged by means of court order. That, of course, is far more expensive. Is that at any time and not at any time? At any time. At any time. But that's also far more expensive. And there's an onus of proof on you.
2: So you've got to show that you never knew when you paid that admission of guilt that you would have a record. That is correct. It doesn't matter what your admission of guilt was for. It could be for, for speeding, for anything. The question is on speeding. If, you, if you're if
1: speeding and you pay admission of guilt, is also on your record. If they go to the trouble of putting it on your record. But once again, remember, you pay your speeding fine. You go and you pay it in pick and pay or checkers or whatever. There's no taking of your fingerprints. No, it's it's I'm
2: talking about the ones where the guy is brought to court. Often he's arrested. Talk mm. of the guy mm. who's exceeded the limit. And he's arrested.
1: Generally speaking, what they do in in, in traffic court—not that I'm a traffic court expert, I must yeah. say that—but um, yeah. what I found that they do is, is, for normal speeding, you pay your fine, you move on. Mm. Um, what has changed uh, in recent years is is that they've they've brought in that forty—if you drive more than forty hours per, per kilometer, more than the speed limit, yeah. you immediately get mm-hmm. um, charged with reckless negligence. Driving, right? And you'll see that on that summons that you then get to come to court, it will say, say N-A-G. No admission of guilt. No admission of guilt. They're not interested Mm. in your admission of guilt. Mm. They need to bring you to trial, bring out a guilty plea, and then put this in. But I
2: know what happens in practice, Peter. I've been there. Not for myself, but for clients There's 20 people on a Monday morning Mm -hmm. They all have no NAG, no admission of guilt So they all got to appear before the magistrate Before that happens, the prosecutor walks up to all of them And he puts them around a table He says, who wants to pay admission of guilt And all 20 do Yes. Yes. Now do they get, strictly they could get a, a record Strictly speaking, but that's not practice Hmm. We can't guarantee it. it's not practice.
1: I've never seen it happen.
2: Mm. Let's talk about previous convictions. A man is up, let's say, for something t- hideous like rape. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows that he's been, he's a rapist, he's a bad guy, he was in jail before for rape. Can that be brought out during the trial that he has been convicted prior? For the same coming. no,
1: not during trial stage, um, if he were to be convicted, it, we, it uh, would obviously become very relevant at sentencing stage because mm-hmm. obviously magistrates look um, to your past behavior right
2: the prosecutor though has got the record in his file yes, he knows yes, he knows it, but he can't he can't disclose it to the, no, to we, the have a, we have magistrate
1: we have a rule of evidence which we've received from the Bridges system, which is called the similar fact evidence yes, right? right now that says we must be. Uh, Very, very careful of evidence, firstly, which is of low relevance. Now, instinctively to human beings, that might sound strange, but the fact that I've done wrong before doesn't mean I've done wrong here.
2: Mm.
1: It's of very low relevance. Secondly, it is hugely prejudicial. Yes. If the magistrate sits there that and... A man is accused of rape And he's had a previous conviction Or in a a, a different kind of a case Where we're dealing about petty theft But this guy, and you'll often find them, He has seven or eight or nine previous convictions for this The fear is that the chap won't get a fair shake Mm -hmm. At trial Because you'll be so prejudiced
2: So there's no way that that record comes out Until he's been found guilty
1: No I'll give you you a further example I was dealing with a shoplifting matter recently And um, my chap was charged mm-hmm. with one charge of shoplifting mm-hmm. But apparently I only found this out in court There were allegations that you know He'd apparently successfully stolen something From this very same shop about a month earlier But they hadn't caught him etc etc mm-hmm. And the state tried to lead this evidence Now if they had charged him with this Offense which they would have never been able to prove, but if they had charged him, mm. they would have been able to lead evidence on that because it has a life of its own. Yes. But in a case where he is now charged with theft, when they started trying to lead that evidence, I jump up, I say, Your worship, I object, I give my whole spiel about uh, uh, similar fact evidence, and it's not allowed because it's prejudicial. Mm.
2: Absolutely, in Oscar Pistorius' trial that we all know about, they try to lead. Evidence of his uh, being a bit aggressive and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There were objections, but it was most of it was allowed to be brought in. Do you remember that?
1: Okay, but that's but a different rule. What, what yeah, what's the distinction th- a That's a different rule of evidence, which once it comes, come, comes back to relevance. Now, it's called character evidence. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. for example, I'm in court and I'm saying, I did not steal that chocolate. And now I bring five friends to say, you know what, Pete never lies it's mm. not of great value.
2: Yeah.
1: However, the veil of character can be lifted. So if I, as a witness, start talking about my own high character,
3: mm.
1: I have lifted the veil of character, and a cross-examiner may then start examining me on the negative aspects mm. of my character because I've lifted that veil. So a good attorney before trial will warn a defendant, don't start talking about what a good guy you are. We're not going to get into your character. Mm. Because you lift that value, you lift that protection.
2: What happens if a man's up for assault and they want to lead, the prosecution wants to lead evidence that he's violent by nature? Cannot do it. Can't do it? Cannot do it. That he has a violent streak? W- what happened with Oscar Pistorius? They brought all that evidence of him shooting a gun in uh, and. Do you remember all that? Remember, what was that?
1: I remember that evidence about him shooting a gun in Tush's was a separate charge. That was negligent in charge of file. Mm-hmm. That's a separate charge. He was charged with that. Yes. Secondly, he very much brought in character, saying, you know, keep in mind that I'm this guy. I've got no legs. I'm petrified, blah, blah, blah. This is me. This is who I am. So to a certain extent, he did, in fact, lift the veil of character evidence.
2: People that have previous convictions, they're now convicted of a new offense. Mm-hmm. Out comes the... The yes. record, the prosecutor pulls it up mm. He gives you and he gives it to the Do you get to see it, uh, defense attorneys know From the beginning, don't I'll they? I get it
1: beforehand, yeah. yes
2: The magistrate doesn't know anything about no, it no. For the very first time, the magistrate sees Hey, this guy's been convicted for, for Serious stuff Correct. Many times before um, He then uses that record Obviously to sentence him again He says, well, yeah
1: Yes, so there's a discretionary um, degree to that But then you also have the minimum sentences act um, mm. As you know, which yeah. has prescribed minimum sentences. They can only be, um, you know, you can only make, you can only vary from them. You know, where you have compelling circumstances, etc., etc. And you will have, for example, that for armed robbery, you have a minimum sentence of fifteen mm. years for your first conviction, right? Yeah. For your second, it's twenty. Mm. For your third, it's life, twenty-five. Mm. So, it also is very relevant for purposes of the Minimum Sentences Act when you're dealing with more serious offenders. Desiree,
2: uh, she's the same lady. She says, she wrote in, she said, I want to immigrate and concerned about previous convictions uh, that they will put a block on things. Do they? You're not an immigration expert, but...
1: uh, But my experience is as follows. Yes, firstly, they do, um, especially something which involves uh, dishonesty. But the absolute, absolute killer to your immigration uh, since the 80s is a drugs conviction. If they, if you have a conviction, even for, possession of, of dacha, for instance, yes, for, of one joint of dacha, that's a drugs conviction. Mm. And most first school countries are just not going to be interested in you at all. Peter, you're in court every
2: day on in criminal courts. Uh, we're talking about dacha. How are the courts dealing with this right now? Are they bringing these dacha cases possession forward or they, they,
1: they, they do still bring them? Um, Generally speaking, though, now is if you've got a check with a clean record, they'll do what is called diversion. You know, he has to go to some classes, has to do some community service, etc. Yeah. Diversion is a program that they started bringing in in the early 90s, and it's actually worked quite well with um, the smaller offenses because. There is a sense of punishment, and you know the guy has to go and do like clean the police station's floor, or work in the garden. Do so they re- actually do that? Yes, yeah. it's reasonably humiliating, etc., etc. Yeah. But he doesn't go off into life with this criminal record. You don't take a chap of twenty-two and saddle him with this record around his neck.
2: Yeah. So diversion is working from from
1: on the petty offences where it was intended to be used. Yes.
2: Yeah. You must be using it all the time then. So yes. just to explain very briefly, a man is charged with a petty offense. Is shoplifting regarded as a, a, a petty offense? Depends on the
1: amount. It depends on the amount. Also, what you'll find there, unfortunately, is um, the complainant where you have um, – let me put it to you like this: If you if you're arrested for dacha, the complainant is the policeman arrested you. He has very little personal interest in the matter. Yeah. With shoplifting, especially if it's from the big chains, mm. where your problem comes in is, is they would often oppose any form of diversion I see. because their policy, understandably, is if there's theft, we
0: want a conviction.
2: Yeah, they want to stop people pinching out the stores. Yes. Lines you find this interesting? No, isn't? it's
0: very interesting because uh, the the very same case that he's referring to, it's one case that my friend is actually going through because uh, he's actually in the finance uh, sector. He's now actually finding it difficult to find a job because of a case that actually happened to him ages ago when he was still young.
2: Mm. Let's so, take lines yeah. here. Let's take some more questions. Jock writes the following. He says, good evening. Can anyone please tell me I have a friend, there again, who mm. was caught shoplifting and paid a fine, and afterwards he applied for a police clearance. It said that he does not have a criminal record. Can they afterwards say that he has a criminal record against his name, or what can they do? Please help, please help. It depends. Okay, let me just tell you a little more. Uh, he says here he applied for the police clearance after a few years because everyone oh. wrote in and said it can take months before the system gets updated mm. with your record. Am I Correct. right? W- assuming that years later he finds he's got no criminal record, he's one of those that got lucky. Yes. I mean, it's, is it up to human, it's, it's, it's a policeman who fails to take your fingerprints and record your record. Something or, like that. Or yeah.
1: he didn't get the form right or he didn't send it in or the fingerprints didn't scan or, yes.
2: Is it unlikely to happen? I mean, once you're convicted, the form is brought to you and you've got to sign it and there and then, don't you?
1: If I, If I had to put odds on this, what probably happened here was he paid the admission of guilt and a 69 was never completed. Now, strictly speaking, the police, I suppose, could at any time come to him and say, oh, you know, you have this conviction. Please, uh, let's fill in the 69 and they put it through and you and and you have a record. But I mean, for years and years old shoplifting conviction, for him to even go and find that file, um, I think in this guy's case... That's one of those cases where you say, well, I got lucky. Thank you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. What's the position with an employer who wants to take on someone and they ask him, do you have any previous
1: convictions? He says, no, I'm clean. Mm -hmm. How do you check? Um, There's a multitude of companies. You can just go on the Internet and then what they do is, is they do these criminal checks for you. But there's a consent form. Yeah. Which the applicant has to give,
0: mm.
1: but that's pretty standard now. You work for the banks, etc. You one of the things that you're going to do during your interview process is you're going to sign that consent form.
2: I tell you, where this is not used is with uh, domestic domestic workers. No, of course, people not. are not doing this. No, of course uh, not. It, it, it's a cost of about two three hundred rand, mm. and uh, if the pr- prospect, the candidate, is prepared to go for or, or agree to mm-hmm. um, the criminal record being obtained, do so. Yes, one of the companies I interviewed here some time ago, MIE, I think they're called. They have a consent form and they do it overnight in twenty-four hours. They can tell. Yes, it. they're very quick. What happens after after you employ the person? Then you can't go and ask him uh, to have his record uh, taken bec- or, or, or look for his record because uh, it's against the um, it's against the labor laws. It's an invasion of. It's. It's. You can't go after he's employed and say, "I want to uh, obtain your record." Not allowed to be done. You've mm-hmm. got to do it before he's employed with you. It's an unfair labor practice after he's employed. Also, someone suggested that you go and lift their fingerprints off a glass. That they've. No, you uh, can't do it like that. Invasion like of privacy. You, need, you, yeah. you do need
1: a consent form, but I mean. You know, people must use their common sense as well If somebody comes to you applying for a job You ask him for a consent to check a criminal record And he says no,
2: no. Let's talk about people that are stopped at the side of the road Either for drunk driving or exceeding the speed limit This is mm-hmm. very common There are tons of, of postings on Legal Talk South Africa mm-hmm. The first question is A breathalyzer yes. If you refuse to blow into a breathalyzer What is the law?
1: The law is this, is that you are then obstructing the police, you are obstructing justice, which I would not advise in any way, shape or means because that carries, unlike uh, de- uh, drunk driving under the influence, that carries a very high probability of a custodial, i.e. a prison sentence if convicted.
2: Yeah. Mm. So whatever you do, don't refuse to blow in. You would rather be convicted of drunk driving than you would of defeating the ends of justice. Very much you? so.
1: Also remember, uh, folks, that when you are driving, Your privacy rights apply to the extent that they can't look in your boot, they can't look in your cabal, just so-and-so. But remember that you are doing a licensed action. You're the same as a guy selling liquor, right? Mm. You are committing a licensed action. You are driving your licensed vehicle on these South African roads. Members of your JMPD, members of the police have the right to stop you. Yes one of the roles of the road, of the road is is that when a police or um, city official tells you to stop here or turn here or you can 't go down here listen to him you must listen to him that 's the yeah. law. you are busy with a license you 're not in your backyard remember that folks you 're on public roads doing a licensed activity
2: you said something earlier about <clears throat> searching your cubby hole or your boot can they
1: well they would have to have they would have to have uh, either a search warrant. Or they would have to have reasonable suspicion that getting this—this this is what the CPA says—that getting the search warrant would enable you to destroy the evidence. So if they're thinking, for example, that you got tuck in your uh, or nyope there in your in your cubbyhole,
2: yeah.
1: and they can smell it, that's reasonable suspicion. Absolutely, they, could, they can look in there.
2: If you if you stop for drunk driving, can they search no. your cubbyhole? No. But what do you do in practice? You say don't search it, and then you'll arrest you for something else. In
1: you? practice, they don't care. Quite frankly, they don't care. Um, if they just see you 're drunk you 'll see that, uh, what what used to be done when I was early in my career there was this thing called the drager blowing system yes. and instead of zero point zero five, which is your blood alcohol level, they would have a breath alcohol level of zero point two four right, and they tried to bring convictions on those. And, um, guys like me just knocked those out of the park one after the other <laughs> <day. laughs> because yeah. there was a variety of, of technical issues with that. And it went so far as going to firstly the, um, KPI court and then constitutional court for a decision on that. And then the Jager, this blowing thing, blowpipe was not seen as uh, sufficient evidence. There was a massive discussion. You know, how the constitutional courts, um, judgments look they look like small books they can't get to the point um but anyway so it's it's they said no it's out so what you'll see is when you get pulled off now now this happens to me unfortunately because i work late so i'll be driving home at like past 12 or 1 in the morning a policeman will see me drive along and just assume i've been drinking because it's 1 in the morning it's quite annoying actually and they bring this little blow thing but it's not even a pipe anymore it's just a like a little nodule thing at the back You blow on it And then they turn it around And it goes negative Yes And then you say to the policeman Yes I told you And you drive off yes. Right So that's not That little blowing That you're doing Into that little machine Is of no evidentiary value in court It's merely a screening device For whom they're going to bother To draw blood Okay um, Assuming
2: that it, it's positive Yes What mm. do they then do with
1: you They then arrest you they take you to the police station. Certain police guys will, will will assist you in driving your car to the police station. Other guys will just leave it, but you've got to find people, and they must come bring it. Mm-hmm. You can then get taken to the police station. You must get charged, etc. They need a case number, etc. Right? They then have either a district uh, doctor or a district nurse. Mm-hmm. Okay, and these people will then have a um, specialist training on it. They'll have done a little course. They then draw the law, the, the the blood in place, uh, you know, according to certain legal prescripts. Um, it gets put in a little vial. It then goes into a little... And that gets a number on it. Then it goes into a little styrofoam box. That gets a separate number. And it then gets booked into their evidence locker. The 13, it's called, in the police station, right? The, the,
2: is the rule not that it's got... To, the law that it's got to be done... The blood's got to be drawn within two hours?
1: Well, I mean in simplest terms, yes, but not really what the what the act uh, gives the uh, gives the state thesis is they give them a two hour presumption of so that if your blood alcohol is zero point zero five or higher when your blood is drawn, the presumption is, is that it was the same when you were driving mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but now of course, that's merely a presumption if you have some weird medical condition or if you can get some I don't know, American expert or whatever to say, especially where the guy was just 0.05 on the dot, that he probably wasn't. It's just a presumption. The further thing is the states, although they in practice, just withdraw those, they're not necessarily dead in the water. If you're like four or five times over the limit, five minutes after two hours have expired. Mm
2: -hmm. uh, 0.05 is how many drinks?
1: Beers? One, one. One drink, one, one what? A uh, single, a unit of alcohol. So that would be a beer, a glass of wine, tot of, distilled. So liquor. when a person says, "I only had two drinks," he, is he, well, he's you, over the limit. You could look. The, look, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not an expert on the physiological aspects of it. But I do know how much you've eaten, what you've eaten, and also the time. Remember, the the the, the human liver can deal with about one unit of alcohol per hour,
0: mm. and it just uh, processes it out. Sorry, I just want to pose a question yeah. When we talk about uh, when, the, when you buy alcohol There's a volume that says 6% Is 6% contained in the whole bottle yes. Or every single sip that you take Would contain 6% of alcohol
1: oh, Yes to both <laughs> <laughs> How can it be do both? If, if it's 6% of the beer yeah, yes. Then it's 6% Is of, it of, of the every top sip? Yeah. Oh, okay
2: There have been so many comments About this drunk driving and all the rest Someone asked here, which is so interesting, they say, um, I'll tell you whose name, Yap for Mark, he says, uh, in South Africa, a good lawyer can get you off on a technicality on, on drunk driving, or at least a lesser mm-hmm. sentence, but let's talk about get you off. And Letitia as well said... Get a good lawyer, never plead guilty. Maybe a lawyer can get you out on a technicality you 're in these courts every day. Can you get him out on a technicality
1: once again if if blood was drawn too light, um, if your chain of evidence was not done properly I was I was talking about that earlier. They have numbers on everything so there 's one that goes on the vial and there 's a little seal around the top then there 's one that goes on the little styrofoam box yeah. then it goes into a little freezer which they have there which has a lock on it yeah. then it gets put when it gets moved it gets placed in one of these evidence bags. now how police evidence bag works they have numbers on them and they're green when they're open when you close them they go blue oh. and you cannot open that glue without cutting it uh-huh. okay
3: yeah.
1: all these numbers have to match up you know people make topic mistakes etc so you can roll the dice and you can win um However, it is not as common as it used to be. The um, police have very much beefed up their blood alcohol testing. We're reduced to take anything from six months to two years. It's now three months to six months. To they get your results. They your get result. those tests back. Really? And yeah. they've really beefed up their admin around it. Oh. So you might still roll the dice, but the fact of the matter is how it works with the vast majority of courts is you get arrested, you do your police bail, you go to court, they say we're waiting for the test The court is generally not interested to keep this on the roll for three months So they'll say well we'll strike it from the roll Or the state will withdraw it at this stage Some guys will just give a three month or a six um postponement anyway yeah. So you're not even given the opportunity to plead guilty at that stage unless you insist So the decision on how you're going to plead You're going to make it when your attorney has been able to look at the docket copies um, From the police itself And he will then be able to tell you he will say, "You know what here's a problem. They only drew this two and a half hours later, or there's something wrong with the chain or the machine wasn't calibrated. I'm not seeing that certificate and there's a there's a myriad of uh, of technicalities that he looks at, but do not be surprised if your attorney looks around you and says to you no.
2: There's nothing we can do. There's not much. What kind we can of do. sentences are the courts giving right now? They're giving
1: reasonably big fines for first offenders, and unless you can sh- show reasonably exceptional circumstances, they take your license for six really? months. Really? Mm. For the
2: first offense?
1: Yes. Jeez.
2: Is that so? Uh, does it depend on how much over the yes. limit you were? Yes. Uh, give me an example of what kind of sentences. Look, I mean, you if, you,
1: if, you, if you were two, three times over the limit, I've heard yeah. magistrates start talking at that man saying, you know, I. I'm not sending you to prison against my better judgment. And the fine becomes very large. What kind of... When you talk large, what are you talk about? Ah, it'll be 40 50,000. Really? Rinds. Gary, you've got to keep something in mind, right? Yeah. And this is... So, uh, no, I'm with you all the way. I'm, yeah, a, a guy definitely. like me who, who practices criminal law, this magistrate who sees this, the prosecutor deals with this often. You've so often seen... The end effect of what has happened Mm. To people's lives with an accident And Mm. there's this horrific accident And there's the lives before the accident And there's the lives after the accident And the twain will Mm. never meet And it's because some idiot Drove drunk Mm -hmm.
2: Mm. Yeah. What is the distinction between Police bail and uh, normal bail And who gets police bail and when
1: Okay, there's actually three systems of bail in, in, in South Africa. You have your police bail, you have what is called prosecutor bail, and then you have court bail. Now, those are worked within sections at the, uh, at the well, schedules at the back of the Criminal Procedure Act, which prescribes it, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, drunk driving, the police can give you bail. Theft, up to 2,000 in value, the police can give you bail. Mm-hmm. Drug possession, up to 2,000 in value, they can theoretically give you bail. What they do in practice, especially with a young guy, as a matter of principle, knowing that he's probably going to be diverted, they keep him in the evening just To give him a skirk Really Yeah Okay Um, And I think that often Works quite well Mm. Um, Then they will also Then you have What is called Prosecutor bail Now let's say That there's possession Of stolen goods Or theft Or whatever and the value is between two and twenty thousand. Now a prosecutor must come out. Another distinction is: sorry, do they come out at night? They come out at night. You have to phone them. It's not always easy to get them. They drive to the police station. They look at the docket as is. Yeah. Right after the guy's been charged. Now, folks, let me. Do you know how to get hold of these prosecutors? Yes. Yeah. Now, uh, people, let me let me stress this to you. There's a lot of running around and. Moaning and gnashing of teeth by The family members of people who have just been arrested Mm -hmm. Nothing can be done Before the person has been formally charged That means fingerprints get taken His warning statement gets taken And a form gets filled in in which he gets charged The police have 48 hours to do that For the first 48 hours they're pretty much king They can help you if they want to but if they don't want to, they can keep you for 48 hours.
2: Yeah, no, They just don't charge you for yes. 48 hours. Yes, And then you sit. If they want to be spiteful or malicious yes. or tough or whatever it may be, yes. they keep you for 48 hours. Keep you, 48 you can hours. stand on your head. You cannot get bail unless you apply
1: to the court. Yes because yes. The, the constitution is clear They can keep you for 48 hours right Now the police often abuse that unfortunately As an intimidation tactic and it shouldn't yeah. be used for that They're given those 48 hours so that they can do What is called confirm the address and confirm your ID Right yeah. especially with foreign National or a person who's initially from a foreign country They need to check there and go oh okay You know the ID is legit or the asylum papers Are legit and they go and they send an actual Person to your home yeah. he goes and knocks on the Door police official and he says does John live here yes here's his clothes Here's his pictures etc those things Must also be done in the first 48 hours Now I'm not always In agreement with that specific constitutional issue Because I don't think that you need 48 hours to drive To someone's house to check it Um, As to these 212s without getting into too much detail that is just a a, a Affidavit specified by The um, criminal procedure act That you must bring from home affairs To say yes the man's ID or his his, um, Asylum papers or whatever Are correct I also don't see the need for that, as far as I'm concerned. The policeman can find them. They can check on the computer system. They can say, "Oh, okay," and he can write a little affidavit. Mm. But once again, it is often abused by the police to put pressure on you to start talking. To How them. do you
2: practically deal with it? I, I've been in this position as well for clients mm. where the police say your client was uh, unaccommodating, he was difficult, he didn't mm. cooperate. Um, especially in uh, domestic violence, they can have him.
1: Domestic be- violence. i going to be honest with you. In practice, those guys don't go back that evening.
2: They don't go back. They
1: don't go back that evening. They keep him in the evening.
2: I mean, it's horrific to sit in a police cell for mm. for anything. Yes. Uh, unless you deserve it. But mm. generally, um, so for, for, for speeding and drunk driving, generally the police will give bail. There's generally, money. yes. Yeah. Generally, yes. The, um, yeah, this is all, it's all, it's, you know, it's something that we need to know all this stuff. So you can get a prosecutor out and you yes. can, if the police agree, You've got to get the prosecutor to agree. Is that really how it works?
1: Um, no. If it's police bail, the police can agree. Yeah. And if it's prosecutor bail, the prosecutor agrees. It's what happens
2: if the policeman is difficult, but the prosecutor says, "Ah, give him bail? Then he gets bail. Uh, so the prosecutor overrides the police. Yes. So that 48 hours will not be uh, sanctioned by a prosecutor if he thinks it's being unre- someone's no, being unreasonable? No,
1: prosecutor will come out on this. The first thing he's going to ask you when you phone him, has, he been ch- has your boy been charged? Answers now, he says, for a million years. He's really? not interested.
2: Uh, so you have to, he, the police mm. come, they have to charge him first? Yes. And they don't need to do so for 48 hours? Yes. It's something the public needs to know that. Mm. Okay. Romaine wants to know. She says, we're moving on here. I'd like to know, <coughs> and, and we, we, we're not covering a lot, but it is just so interesting that it doesn't matter. We we'll get you back another time if you don't mind. Okay. I would like to know what the exact requirements and process would be for an appeal. It is in regard to a criminal matter in which the accused, or she calls him the defendant, was facing charges of culpable homicide in which three people died. And he was found not guilty due to an extremely biased magistrate and many other failures. Uh, I request only expert and experienced persons give legal opinions, please.
1: Okay, yeah, this one is a bit tricky for me. I did that trial. I oh, really? Trial. Yes. Oh, wow! I'm very well familiar with Romaine. She was sitting there in the court the whole time. Um, uh, so it is difficult for me to discuss because if they are, Sorry, so so
2: let me let me understand this. You d- you defended the driver of the vehicle, correct? And there were three. How many people were killed in the three show? deceased? Yes, three deceased. And remain is what? To I one think she's
1: them. the mother or some family I mean I obviously didn't get into that But she was always in court there uh,
2: you, you succeeded in getting him an acquittal That's correct And people are upset about that Well she's one of them And mm. she feels the magistrate was biased Why would the magistrate be biased?
1: Gary let me keep that very simple this yeah. matter is clearly as a probability or, not, if not a probability, the potential to st- once again become sub-UDK. If this matter goes to appeal, yeah. this matter is sub-UDK, which means I cannot really discuss I the merits Be careful.
2: It. I don't want to get you into trouble. What I want to say, yeah. however, about yeah. this is, yeah.
1: right, she's talking about people that I've dealt with before and in this matter. The magistrate, mm. to my view, was not biased. She mm. actually applied the law correctly. If that doesn't suit Remain, that's why we have law. Yes. And that's why must, we have appeals as well. That's why a decision yeah. must go either way. Yeah. And someone's the loser is going to be unhappy. Secondly, if she refers here to only expert and experienced person's legal opinions, please. She's being somewhat disingenuous yeah. The control prosecutor that you have at Randberg Where this was heard is a Mr. Yusuf Baba Right? He's been at this game probably 30 years. I
2: think he was in Alex at one stage and He I was think in I Alex a He's a
1: great Prosecutor. He's a great prosecutor. Yeah. I would Rate him as probably one of the yeah, top He's ten.
2: terrific. I hope he hears this and if he doesn't mm-hmm. Please tell him to listen because he needs Public acclaim. Yeah, he's a oh, great prosecutor he's, he's, he's excellent. And he's decent and about it. Yeah.
1: I would put him Definitely within the top five Criminal legal minds in the republic yeah, Right? Do, yeah. And that Remain is the chap you can talk to mm. Someone wrote here
2: uh, Jan- Janelle Ulifi She says she, she writes back to Remain She says speak to the prosecutor who handled the case It must be referred to the director of public prosecutions For that province To get permission to appeal a not guilty verdict Stop there for a second Forget it's this case Assuming that you're very unhappy With the way the matter was mm. handled by the mm. prosecution Where do you go with this? No, it's
1: a great question. Absolutely, DPP.
2: You go to the Director of Public Prosecutions. Mm-hmm. Are they helpful? I mean, what can they really do unless the prosecutor didn't present the evidence properly or kept evidence away or yes. that kind of stuff? Yes. Yeah. Um, someone else wrote. Uh, he says, "I concur with Janelle." It seems that the grounds of dissatisfaction on the outcome of a case are bias and gross irregularity on behalf of the presiding officer. Such, he says, the best procedure is to bring the complaint by way of review as opposed to an appeal. But as already noted, you should speak to the DPP. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Bissau wrote, wrote that. I think he's mm-hmm. got it right as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the thing is that let's just talk about th- she, she was a complainant or part of the complainant. If the complainant feels that they didn't get proper justice, as the complainant in the case of Oscar Pistorius, the state can appeal in certain circumstances. Right. Just let's remind our listeners, the accused can appeal when, and the state complainant can appeal when.
1: Now, can I can firstly remain here is not a complainant. It's the complainant in a uh, culpable homicide matter where people are dead is the state. Yeah. Right? She's a spectator. Let me stress that. She's a spectator. But if
2: she's lost a loved one, she's lost a loved one. In the
1: court process, she is a
2: spectator.
1: Okay. Where does she go if she feels? She goes goes to Yusuf Baba and tells him to run it. But Yusuf Baba is an experienced man. He makes his own decision. He is the state, not her. When can
2: the state appeal? On a question of what?
1: Um, Generally speaking, Goes to the DPP for a decision, but in the district courts they generally don't appeal. In the, um, in the regional high, courts, yeah. regional courts they only go if it's a question of law, not effect, and then from the high courts you can appeal.
2: Yeah, the accused can appeal from the magistrates' court.
1: Yes, yes.
2: If he feels that he shouldn't have been acquitted, uh, convicted, yes. he's got the right of appeal. Yes, the the, the law does weigh in favour of of an accused, doesn't it? It's good for us uh, attorneys. <laughs> Lance, how do you feel about it? Yeah. In other words, an accused can appeal at any time, yeah, and true. a complainant can appeal can, on a question yeah. of law mainly. Yes. Yeah. Interesting, isn't
0: it? Quite interesting. But I guess maybe it's a thing of um, constitutional, uh, constitutional rights that people have.
2: Well, it's always been like that, yeah. yeah. Someone wrote, uh, wrote. It's not Anneli. It's Anneli, I think, because I know her surname. She says, "How can you report a claim an- a crime? How can you report a crime anonymously?"
1: Well, I mean, there's a variety of ways. You can just phone in and give an anonymous tip. The police will follow up on that.
2: Won't um, they see your cell phone number? Or uh, they're not going to care. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: Where do you phone? Someone wrote back, Janine wrote, but, uh, she said 32211. Sorry, is this for criminal matter or, bl- uh, whistleblowing within a company? No, yet? not within a company. Oh, okay, That's okay, different.
2: Okay. How can you report a crime? You see a crime, uh, you want to report it, but you don't want to be implicated yeah, in giving evidence. No, you don't, you don't want to, yeah. you know, you
1: there's may a know. further, there's a further option, which is you can approach a section of the police, which is called crime intelligence. And if you're merely the lead, they will protect you. Now, crime intelligence is different from a normal investigating officer. The investigating officer kind of reacts to what is given to him. Somebody comes to him and says, I've been assaulted. He opens an assault charge. He says someone's stolen, someone's raped. He then goes and investigates that. The guys from crime intelligence do tend to specialize in those crimes that tend to not be reported, i.e. consensual crimes. Drug dealing, human trafficking, that sort of thing. And it's all very much... a. Uh, under the table and very quiet. If you then get information and you approach the guys from crime intelligence, they will assist you and they will protect you. Obviously do they have
2: witness a- protection programs? No. Here? No? no. Where do they keep uh, witnesses that they want to protect? I don't know. <laughs> that's,
0: don't. Why that's, why called, that's why it's called crime intelligence. That's why it's called witness
1: protection. I don't know. What, 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 what they will then do is, is they will then go and build a case against the chips on your lead, which doesn't need you to testify. Yeah. They, and they're good about protecting you. I must give it to them.
2: Okay. And lines in a, in a labor matter, we have the Whistleblowers Act, That's as we call it. It's okay. called the Protected Disclosures Protected Disclosures, yes. Okay. Yeah. There, you are protected in law. If you, somebody in the workplace that you want to whistle blow on, you go straight ahead and do so, and even if they know who you are, they cannot disclose it. It's complete mm, protection. Mm. They can't fire you for it. They can't Yes. They can't take any kind of action against anyone who's whistleblowing. And you the law always very strict on this.
1: And you don't go to the CCMA. You go straight to the Labor Court with that matter. So your mm. Labor Court hears it primarily, unlike where you would normally go to the CCMA and then the Labor Court. Oh, okay. And also the limit on what you can be uh, recompensed if you were fired is not 12 months but 24. Wow.
2: There's one last matter that uh, mm. I need to close off with you on because we've run out of time. It's a pity, but we're going to get you back. It's been terrific. Your law firm called Ian Levitt in Santon yes. is representing right now eight people who alleged to have been sexually violated by the late, he died very recently, mm. billionaire. I think, I don't know if he's a billionaire or millionaire, Sidney Frankel, over two decades ago when they were children. That's correct. Now, the law on this one, it's 20 years later and they want to come forward now and they want to nail him, well, he's mm. deceased now, or he's a state. What is the law on this?
1: Oh, well, the law's just been changed. The law was, uh, for, for Gauteng anyway, uh, the law in terms of Section 18 of the Criminal Procedure Act says that with the exception of what used to be the old capital crimes, mm. um, it expires after 20 years. So you have murder, treason, rape. It never expires. They've added in um, these crimes against the humanity that you get with the international court, you know, genocide, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That never expires. But everything else expires after 20 years. The state loses the right to prosecute. It doesn't suddenly become legal. What you've done? No, obviously, yeah. but you cannot be prosecuted for it, right? Yeah. So um, we obviously, obviously got quite the legal team on this. I mean, I myself, to be honest with you, was somewhat on the fringes of this. I was initially at the start, um, and I was present during the, the the hearing of this in court. But we got in the advices of two renowned senior counsel. Um, the one is a criminal. Um, advocate called Lawrence Hodas, yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you've heard Everyone's of him. Everyone's heard of him. Yeah, yes. Yeah. yes, yes. And then we know his
2: daddy as well. Yeah. Yes, L- yes.
1: Yeah. And then we also got in a chap called Anton Katz, who is becoming one of the preeminent constitutional litigators in South Africa. Yes. He does a lot of work in that. Is yeah. he from Cape Town or he's from Cape Town, he's from yeah. the Cape yeah. Town. Right. Um, and he flew up, I think uh, you know, and obviously there was um Uh, Nobody took their normal fees Anything like that Mm. Um, He flew up, he argued the matter We had uh, amicus curiae, that means friends of the court On a matter of With with this broad kind of Application, the court will allow So let's go a little slowly
2: The accused at the time Was Sidney Frankel He said that he couldn't be charged Because 20 years had expired
1: Um, It wasn't him saying that to be honest with you Um
2: who was saying
1: it? It was the state itself. The state, so yeah. we went, we opened the docket. We did the, the, the A1s. The A1 is like the founding docu- yeah. document for a criminal docket. That is the first person to report the crime. So we did the various A1s. We got those docket numbers and we sent them through to the prosecution. Yeah. They then sent it to the DPP who wrote back to us, no, I prosecute. That's a decision not to prosecute. Yes. Right. Yes. They said we can't prosecute it 20 years have passed. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Which is why we then cited them as the main opponent. Remember, the main opponent wasn't Frankel. Was the MPA. Oh, see. Okay. We wanted to say what you're saying to us is unconstitutional. Yeah. Um, Frankel's legal team decided to join. I mean, and that was prudent, and they should have done that. Mm. Um, we then further had these friends of the court guys like Teddy Bear Clinic and Lawyers for Human Rights, that sort of thing. Yeah. They also got involved. They
2: wanted to open this up and say, for this kind of for child molestation mm-hmm. as this is. Mm. Uh, there should be no prescription. Should be at any time.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, that was that was uh, that was also our argument. They wanted to open it up to parents, etc., etc. The fact of the matter is, is that's, without getting too technical, you had local standout issues there because there was no applicant before court alleging adult sexual abuse. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now remember also, in terms of SOMA which is our new Sexual Offences Act, um, rape has been. Greatly expanded in its definition From what it used to be Which in terms of the common law Which we inherited from the Brits and the Dutch Was strictly penetration Of the female vagina by the male penis Against the will So anal penetration for example wasn't rape Something with a hand or a device Or something it wasn't rape, it is now yeah. So it's been expanded yeah. But remember we also still have to take This judgment goes to the Constitutional court because it's a constitutional issue yeah. For certification so it's going to be re-argued in the Constitutional Court. Right now it's the law for Teng. Right. If we come right in the Constitutional Court, it becomes the law for the country. Mm-hmm. And it, for that 20 years, definitely falls away for any sexual offenses for children. I'm agent. so
2: in favour of that. Say, yeah. So, uh, the, I think uh, we all are good. The, the, the good judgment, yeah. yes,
1: the judgment that we got from the from the judge there was also very strong. She was very outspoken. Mm. Um, I liked how uh, any old man today has going to be very careful, I guess, because uh, well, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, and I must give a tip of the hat to Advocate Anton Katz. He was. Absolutely brilliant His line of arguing for me was entirely correct Uh, A lot of people got sidelined In a variety of issues He brought it down to the simple Constitutional right of dignity Mm -hmm. These people's dignity Have been hugely affected Um, Having dealt to a certain extent with these people And i am be honest with you, there's going to be colleagues of mine That would be able to tell you more about
2: this Who was the judge in that case? Oh, I forget
1: oh, okay. Ask me who the judge was in that other one, I got the acquittal, I also forget <laughs> Anyway <laughs> yeah,
3: This wish. was recent, I mean we yeah, talked uh two, three months recent, ago Recent, yeah. recent
1: yeah. Um,
2: When does it go to the Constitutional Court, do you think? Uh, soon yeah. it's,
1: a, it's an administrative process yeah. So yeah. She was very outspoken, and she's agreed with us that it comes to dignity. The effect, and I'm not going to go into details. The judge was a female? A female, yeah. The effect mm-hmm. that it's had on, because remember, mm-hmm. the allegations made against Mr. Frankel was boys' ankles. And how they have explained to us how these alleged, and I'm a lawyer, I have to say alleged. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, Billy finger comes and screams at me. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, acts against him. During their childhood And the fact that it was repetitive The effects that it's had on them In their adult life In intimacy Mm. In marriages In It's just The reverberative effect In their life is
2: huge Yeah I think I think that could apply to Any child who's now an adult Or or whatever Mm. Shocking It's been a wonderful show This has been the voice Of Peter De Wirt He's from Ian Levitt Attorneys in Santon We're going to get you back As I've said three times Peter so interesting uh, we're going to get a whole host of new questions of Legal Talk many thanks to Legal Talk SA yeah. and all their members lines to you as well many thanks
0: thank you Paya. you enjoyed this one lines? I did uh, mm-hmm. very informative and very uh, practical thank mm-hmm. you very much for the just a pleasure folks
2: next week mm-hmm. uh, the next podcast will be about mm-hmm. uh, estates and wills and money and all the rest after people die so if mm-hmm. you're interested in that one write on Legal Talk Or send us a mail. Thanks to you for listening. And until next week, uh, cheers for now.
0: Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life.
1: With Gary Hertzberg on cliffcentral.com. This
3: is cliffcentral.com.